views, ideas, and opinions of all of us here at Lucia at Night and our guests are their own. And you should always seek additional professional opinion and advice pertaining to any of the topics discussed here on Lucia at Night. Welcome to Lucia at Night. Closing your door on your day, lighting up your night. We are finishing part three of our a series on attachment and we also are celebrating Halloween here at Lucia at night. Um, so before we start and talk a little bit about attachment and relationships, which is what this show is all about, better relationship with yourself and others as you go through life, um, I want to just touch base on these Halloween costumes because I feel like as adults, okay, Krista has kids, but Sarah doesn't have kids yet. I don't have kids yet. I hope I have kids, but that clock is tick, tick, tick. But um, (laughs) I feel like there's not a ton of opportunity to really celebrate Halloween and especially in light of COVID. So we want to, I'm going to send this out on social media, but if you want to join us listening to this and celebrating Halloween with us, um, I want you to wear your costume. I hopefully, if you're watching this, you put a costume on to wear this because we should just do a Lucia at night Halloween party, maybe. We'll talk mm. about that offline. We feel like as an adult, you don't get to dress up as much. So we decided we were going for it. Um, so I'm just going to Krista, tell me about your costume, then Sarah, and then I'll tell you about mine. Okay. So, um, by the way, I think I know what you are, Sarah. it's such a it's such a mystery an elephant (laughs) a rhino let's just start with sarah because it's easy you're a unicorn yeah i'm a unicorn yeah i got my unicorn onesie (laughs) you were talking about this before but she's like oh i have a whole room of onesies i was like and what are those for (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know just for fun i don't know What are some I love it. onesie Halloween costumes you have, Sarah? Um, I think I have uh, a narwhal, which is very similar to this one. Uh, I have a skeleton, which I did wear last year with my dog. We were matching skeletons. Uh, <laughs> um, I have a Santa one that I wore one time for Christmas. I think that's it, actually. That might be all I have. I think it's enough. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. <laughs> Sure. Through it's a lot. Yeah. Krista, I love the unicorn because I feel like a unicorn is like a magical one of a kind creature. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm not a unicorn, um, but two things. So it's kind of reminiscent. This is a wig, even though I am the uh senior member of this group and I can embrace my my silver. Um, it's also, it came from, you know, you say that adults have trouble or don't often, in, you know, get dressed up and do all. I love Halloween. My dad loved Halloween. Um, when I had my little kids, when my kids were little, um, they would go out with the neighbors. I would stay home, dress up and greet the kids, Aww. you know, dressed up. And sometimes they'd get so confused. Like, like, thank you. Like, Trick or treat. <laughs> they wouldn't know like, why I was dressed up, and it would be anything from a typical witch to a ghost to a, you know, the crazy professor, the absent-minded professor with a crazy wig and a white coat. Um, anyways, 
and confused. I feel like that's a normal thing to dress up on Halloween. Yeah, but but so I did that when my kids were growing up. But as an adult, I have a group of friends. Um, there's four of us women. Um, I'm I'm the baby of the group, and at and we get together regularly, and we have like theme parties, you know that that it's a cheetah party and, and we just had one last weekend and we were all, you know, it was a cheetah and gold party. So we all dressed up, you know, in our cheetah outfits or whatever we have and decked the whole thing with cheetah. And earlier this year, um, the, my friend turned 83 and for her birthday, we did Pretty Woman was the theme. So these are kind of like Julia Roberts, you know, when she was a call girl early on, um, kind of her style and it's silver. And um, we just, huh? From Pretty Woman. From Pretty Woman. I'd love yes. It. Yes. So, um, so I'm not a call girl. I'm not Julia Roberts. I'm just embracing my Silverhood, I guess. It actually looks like Diane Keaton to me. That's what I thought. Maybe you're going with that. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, that works too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. I am a character from since we talked about it last show. Well, it's not a character. She was real. Wilderness of Error. Oh, okay. Oh, there's a character <laughs> on it if you if you watch it, and she's called the girl with the floppy hat. And all they know is that she's wearing a floppy hat and she has like a jacket on. You can't see my jacket. It's a long jacket. And she has, sometimes you'll see her at night with sunglasses. So huh. I am the girl. You're that. The floppy hat. So you have to watch the show. Definitely going to watch. I like it. <laughs> so we're going to stay in costume as we go through. Um, and, um, do our show. Hopefully the unicorn doesn't get too hot in there. <laughs> I'll be but all right. I, I have a super quite hot with this hat. <laughs> yeah, must be dying with the, with the wig too. It's got to be warm. Yeah. And little pieces keep going in my eye. So. <laughs> so we were talking about attachment and wrapping up that this series on attachment and what it means and how you change your attachment style. And one of the things that I thought was interesting was, um, I just want to pull this up so I don't quote it wrong, but was I found a couple studies on culture and attachment and how in the United States versus other countries, um, how we relate as secure attachers. Uh, any guesses on, <laughs> on how we relate as secure attachers in the United States? how we relate, I would probably say we're not very secure. <laughs> how we do in comparison to other countries. Um, I would probably put us towards the bottom. Why? I would probably say, I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like, I mean, maybe it's just because that's what I see with my generation. I feel like there's a lot of anxious attachers mm, yeah. in the U S you know, they, they, they want to spend time with everybody and they have to spend time with everybody and they have to spend time with their significant other and be with them 24 seven. Whereas I feel like, you know, 
I see things at, in other countries or, or maybe in TV shows based in other countries and they're not like that at all. Mm. That's my I, guess. Krista, I would agree. I would agree that as culturally um, that we don't do very well, uh, that I think we're probably either anxious or equally um, avoidant. You know, we just struggle with connect. We, we don't take a connective approach. Um, and I think other, uh, yeah, other countries are much more, um, uh, they just would attach differently, I think. And in, in a healthier way, I, I don't think, I don't think we got it. And I think that that's what this study found. So the study was done over a couple of years and it looked at, um, these countries in particular, so collective countries, so companies that are companies, <laughs> companies back yeah. here too, but countries that view people as collective, right? So Japan more, um, where they view things as us instead of me, right? So individualistic cultures um, versus more collective cultures. And what the study found was the lowest percent of secure attachment was actually shown in China and Great Britain. Those were the two lowest um, secure attachers. And the huh. countries that showed individualistic, so more like me, 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 so the United States, um, they had higher levels of anxious attachment, which is what Sarah said. I would have thought avoidant on some level um, mm. because they were so focused on self, they wanted to get emotionally like to them. I don't know, there would always be a veil. But the study found that um, that individualistic approach actually created anxious attachers. Um, so the study was done over two years. They found though that Countries that went way too we, which is interesting because my ex-husband was like this, was more ambivalent attachers. So there was sort of a veil. Um, so I think it speaks volume to where we're headed to. And we were talking in the last show about like so the social dilemma, right? And how um, social media is causing some problems. But in the dating world, have you experienced that? And anyone can answer that. Um, I feel like I'm not, I haven't been in it for a while, actually for a long while. So experienced what? More anxious attachers within the dating. Sarah's like, yeah. Well, I mean, not with me, but I've, I've seen it with people and Tell I've heard me. stories. Yeah. So well, with your friends, it's more, it's more dominant then. Yeah. I mean, like I have a couple friends that like, I mean, they're not like really like, I don't want to say they're anxious and, and make it seem extreme, but like they are with their significant other uh, almost 24 seven. And it's like, uh, and it works for them, or at least I think it works for them. So they just, they always have to be together. Um, and I've definitely heard or seen uh, from like my ex's friends relationships, you know, the girlfriends or, or even the boyfriends who are like, I need to be, where are you? Where are you? I need to hang out. We need to be together and blah, 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 blah. And so that, that's why I assume that the U S is very anxious because I just see it so much. Mm -hmm. and I, and maybe that's why I'm secure because I'm like, I don't want to be that way. seems like for some of these really extreme situations, it's kind of like the crazy person, as people say, like the crazy girlfriend or the crazy boyfriend, they have to be together all the time. Mm -hmm. But no, no, for some it works. I, like I said, the couple friends that I have, it seems to work for them, but 
just not my style. Yeah. And yeah. that's how I know I think I'm more secure. I mean, there's obviously when you're raising children, you're going to be spending more time together. But definitely at your stage, Sarah, like spending 24-7 together does seem like there's so insecurities. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to put insecurities. And I think sometimes people are, and could just very well be again, the culture of the U S just very selfish too. Mm -hmm. All about me. I need all your attention to me. And like, I don't consider myself, I mean, we all have selfish tendencies, but I don't consider myself to be very selfish. And I, I definitely have some introvert qualities where it's like, I, need to spend time with myself or with my family or with my friends. I don't need to put all my attention on you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's so interesting too, because it goes back to the, like, I think in those situations too, it also breeds for this thing of what we are talking about, that black and white thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Like relationships all or nothing or all out. And it's like, just because you're not there 24 seven with that person doesn't mean you're out of the relationship. It just means that you have outside hobbies and interests and mm-hmm. there is that balance to nurture yourself to each other and the relationship. Right. And that's hard to find in 2020. Mm. I think that also speaks to the documentary that you talked about, you know, the social media, mm-hmm. because in our culture now, um, I know my daughter is 20 something and my son is in his early thirties, but it's, it's so that instant gratification, mm-hmm. you know? And so you get the crazy girlfriend or the crazy boyfriend or someone that you're trying to connect with and you get like, you know, answer me, answer me, you know, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like, even, eh. even with online Oh, you mean like that's what they're, they want that instant hit, right? It's that instant hit. And it is the same with, with, with online dating, you know, if like on Bumble, you know, if you don't respond, you know, right away, you're, you're gone. And it's like, well, that's actually good. That would be a good sign for me then. So if I don't respond and they are like onto the next thing, then be onto the next thing, right? Because yeah, yeah. I do have pause in my life. And I do, there is that sense because of social media, it's a proven evidence, so much research on this, right? We are emotionally dysregulated is the clinical term for it. And emotion with emotional dysregulation sometimes comes that impulse control, right? And which comes off as anxious attachment sometimes. So it is hard to tweeze out what is secure anxious attachment and what is emotional dysregulation of individuals in 2020, right? Like it's a fine line. Um, But the good news is, is that how to change it is the same process, right? So what we're going to be talking about with Dr. Chelsea is actually literally the same thing you would do, whether you're dysregulated or you just are an anxious attacher. Does that make sense? Yeah. But it is tough. I also think with online dating too, it's, you're so inundated. How do you even tweeze with like, you're, you're inundated. (laughs) You get inundated. Some of us don't, not so much, but (laughs) I'm not on them. So I have no idea. I'm not, I haven't been on in years and years, but venturing, (laughs) venturing towards it because of circumstance, but it just is like, I just feel like, how do you even tweet, like begin yeah. to know about it? 
Um, I mean, I was yeah. on very briefly for a very short amount of time. And, bef- and before that, I mean, I, really short amount of time. It, I haven't dated since 2005. So like, yeah. <laughs> that's a long time, right? There was no online dating. Yeah, it was very no. different. It is so different and it is so, it's so much information. It's like, where do you even start sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So I guess that this is just more evidence that we need this show um, and how to operate and change attachment. If you feel like you're an anxious attacher or someone you're with is um, not secure, maybe you want to change your style. Dr. Chelsea is coming back for the last of our three-part series to talk about changing your style in a relationship. So hang tight. We'll be right back with Dr. Chelsea Page on Lucia at Night. Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless. And with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data. Coast to coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65 or four lines for just $45 each, including hotspot, Wi-Fi calling, and 50 gigs per line. And for all you travelers, we got you covered in Canada and Mexico. Plus, text and data in over 210 countries worldwide. All with the best phones or bring your own that's pretty awesome get the best user experience on mobile at pulsecellular.com close the door on your day and light up your night you're listening to lucia at night and we're back with dr chelsea page joining us again finishing this three-part series on attachment what it is how you can identify your own attachment and your partner's attachment and This week, talking about something really important, which is how do we change our styles if we aren't secure attachers? So Dr. Chelsea Page, welcome back to the show. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to wrap up this three-part series and so, so wonderful. Yeah. Your knowledge has been great and such a great conversation. And I know that you have a course too that you're doing right now that I think fits into this perfectly. So I'd love to give our listeners the opportunity to learn more about that. Can you tell us before we get started about that course? Because it does pertain to this, doesn't it? Oh, yes, it does. So my mind has been all wrapped up in emotional intimacy and attachment. So it was really aligned that we're doing this now. And yes, it's my Amor program. So really looking at love and connection and intimacy and how just like we're talking here is how to understand what gets in our way with our attachment styles, how to shift things, how to build connection and really the stuff that I wish all of us learned on how to do relationships, but nobody learns this until we're adults. (laughs) It's so funny. And oftentimes it's when we're adults and something goes wrong, then it's like, what's going on? (laughs) I'm not a secure attacher with a secure attacher. Um, So That makes total sense. And we will give Dr. Chelsea's links and all of that information at the end and have her give those links as well to find out more. Since we're transitioning into something that you just mentioned, which is if we have this style, right, in the way that we seem to operate in relationships, and we've identified that as attachment and anxious attachers, avoided attachers, secure attachers, and disorganized attachers, How, if we've identified ourselves as one of those styles that is not secure, can we work to change that style? 
That's my first question. Yes. And well, definitely first step is that identifying and having that awareness because we can't shift and change things that we're not aware of. So we want to have this awareness, not only, you know, just here, this is going to be an intellectual awareness. So learning these pieces, you know, you don't want to just hear this and download it into your brain. You want to have the awareness and really be starting to shift things in your body. So this means taking small moves toward more of that secure attachment. So whether you're avoidant attachment or anxious attachment, or, you know, that mix of both the disorganized, doing the steps that moves you closer. So if you are, say, well, I'll use myself as an example because I was really anxious attachment. It's learning to do things like identify my own emotions and start sharing those vulnerably with others because as an anxious attachment and as people pleaser, I wouldn't share those. And sometimes we share them in a way that's more of an attacking mode. So practice. it's, it's really just practice over and over and over again. It's what I like to call emotional push-ups. You get stronger and stronger. I mean, I love that. And I work with my clients to to either help identify their style or identify their partners and sort of mm-hmm. change their style to help their partners a little bit. So can you give an example of if you are an anxious attacher or an avoidant attacher in a scenario, what you might do to help move more towards secure or eat or act insecure until you feel it essentially emotionally? Yes. So there, I mean, there's so many different ways to approach, but the best way to start shifting things is recognizing. And again, that word awareness is in the moment, the behaviors that you're doing that is in a not in alignment with where you want to go. So you can start having this kind of this observer approach to yourself and starting to notice, oh, I'm pulling back. I'm pulling back when this is in the opposite direction of what secure attachment would be. So when you identify, oh, I'm pulling back and slowing it down in that moment and really asking yourself, okay, like what would a secure attacher person be? What would be in the name of love and connection and honoring this relationship what would this next move be? And I like to, when I'm working with people, to even just imagine this first step and not actually do it yet can be a nice kind of warm up time because our minds are so powerful. And if you can imagine, well, in this moment, or if you're reflecting back on even, say, an argument maybe you had with a partner where you did withdraw, or if you were the anxious pursuer where you did maybe do this kind of critical attacking moment, reflecting back and go, oh, I could have done this. Can I imagine myself maybe having moved toward and telling my partner, I even just, I'm pulling back right now. I can feel myself pulling back and just imagining those moments before you even actually take the outwardly step. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And also I'm wondering what you would suggest if you were the partner of someone, since we're on, let's say, avoidant, right? Mm -hmm. Because as we talked about, avoidance do tend to back away or shut down or retreat. So leaning into that a little bit is what I'm hearing you say. At first, visualizing it, and then second, maybe trying to take action, right? Because oftentimes there's so much fear based upon past, right? Um, Of what's going to happen if you do lean in emotionally, that there's going to be abandonment or you're going to be reprimanded if you have a conversation, right? There's lots of reasons that people sort of 
have that avoidance style. But if you're the partner of someone avoidant, what would you suggest as far as communicating better and helping them along the way? Yes. Even on both sides, helping your partner along the way, it's so powerful because both partners, we want to hold the vision of the relationship and understanding to give each other space and grace for really learning and exercising these new ways of showing up in the relationship because it takes time. And as a partner, you can lovingly point things out to help them notice what they're doing, but in a very loving way. And um, I might have mentioned this in the previous episode, and I don't remember, but it's very applicable here, where even myself, I remember semi-recently, I was going into my old pattern and my partner, he lovingly called it out. And he said, Chelsea, we're talking on the surface here, you know, what's actually going on underneath. And he was you know, energetically bringing me down to my vulnerability. And so pointing that out allowed me to kind of slow down and go, oh my gosh, you are so right. And then meet him where he was trying to meet me. So when we point that out lovingly and not like, oh my gosh, you're doing it again and being critical or just kind of huffing and walking away, which would be part of that old cycle, that that's a really beautiful way that you can help support your partner in the changes and transitions into this secure attachment. I think specifically, I know you just sort of mentioned an anxious tweak, but with the avoidance style, just sometimes they do need space, right? So saying, yes, I want to talk about this. And then if you see your partner sort of shutting down or getting nervous saying, you know, I can see you're a little bit uncomfortable, I'm going to give you space so we can, you know, come back to this in a few hours, I'll give you some time or tomorrow or when it may not be at the speed that you want to talk about something because they do sometimes need space to process um, and be able to come to the conversation fully. Yes. And this is where is so important. I had even an experience because my partner does some more of that withdraw and there was, there's so many good examples personally and in clients' lives, but he, there was something I, I wanted to talk about and I wanted to talk about now but he was not emotionally available at that moment to talk about it. And I could sense that he was, you know, shutting down a little bit and withdrawing a little bit, not wanting to talk about it and to give him the space to do that. And again, this is hard, especially if you have a more withdrawal partner, because as an anxious pursuer, you, you want to remedy the feelings inside of you right now, (laughs) right? Not right now. Right now, like <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, or like right now, five minutes ago, or something is going to like. I always say like, and I say this as someone who has like we talked about in the last episode, became after my divorce, noticed that I became anxious when I was more secure, um, mm-hmm. and everything fell. I always say I describe the feeling as like terminal, like everything is like life or death, right? Because it fe- your brain's telling you like this absolutely needs to happen right now or you're not going to be okay, right? Exactly. This is where that practice and really supporting each other and your partner and giving the space, the breath, the energetic space to go, okay, it is okay that my partner needs some space right now and really letting your partner know. And I call, I remember this instance with my partner and I said, I I can feel you shutting down. So I, I did lovingly call it out and that gave him the space and permission to say, yeah, I, I'm not available to talk about this right now. 
So that meant inside of me and for the anxious pursuers listening, that means you really do need to take ownership and responsibility of the emotion and energy on the inside and to practice the self-care and self-love and emotional management with inside of yourself so your partner can have that space. But there's something in this too that you have to be careful, especially if you are a withdrawer or um, your partner is a withdrawer, is to create a safe container for that time frame of checking back in. Mm. Because if as a withdrawer, if you say, I need some space, I can't talk about this right now, can we talk about this later? Later is, and I even talk about this in my Ignite Intimacy program around sexual intimacy, is later could mean later tomorrow, next week, next year, never. Like, when does that mean? And that actually builds up the anxiety and the anxious pursuer even more. So if you say, I need some space, can you give me an hour? Or can I touch base with you tomorrow morning? Can you give me 10 minutes so I can just go breathe myself down a little bit? then you're putting a safe container around the space that you want to take. Absolutely. Absolutely. Something you said, Dr. Chelsea, really stood out, which was going back to if you are more anxious, how leaning into your partner and basically saying like, we need to talk about this right now, right? Mm -hmm. For me to feel okay. I would like like, to fill in that gap it would be, we need to talk about this right now or I'm not going to be okay, right? And coming to that realization as an anxious attacker, attacker, well, that could be true too, (laughs) anxious attacher, is that you are okay, right? Like you are 100% okay. And it does not feel like it. Those feelings do feel so terminal. They feel life or death. They feel immediate, but you are okay. And on the other side of actually not getting what you want in that moment, is your growth. That's what I've experienced and I've experienced in other people too. Is there so much growth in that conversation not happening right there? Oh, 100%. And this this is where, right, as a withdrawer, your task is to learn how to lean forward more and to bring out the emotions more because they are more dormant and more numbed out and silenced. And so that's the withdrawer task is to lean in more. And the the anxious pursuer, the task is to more to lean back and not be so flooded with the emotions and immersed in them and to have that space and practice that when your partner asks for space, that to use that as a wonderful growth opportunity to go, okay, I this is my time to practice not being so caught up in my emotions emotions to really step out of them a little bit. So it's not just me, myself, I need to fix this now. It's okay. I can hold the space for my emotions and my partner needing space. And I, it takes practice. It really does because that feeling of wanting to fix things now and do things now can be so strong. But when you breathe, breath, some listeners might roll their eyes because I know there's so much about breathing and, um, take a big breath and all these things and yoga and yada yada but taking a breath in these moments on both sides it activates your parasympathetic nervous system to calm down because in those moments you're in this fight or flight mode and to breathe and to remind your body that you're safe like you might be just like sitting at a restaurant with your partner and having this argument you are safe you're okay you are grounded and to remind yourself of that in a big breath can be so powerful. So we don't want to poo-poo the 
the actual simple things because they can be so powerful. I think that those are the steps towards it, right? Is putting that that space. I always say best. Mm-hmm. So breathe, evaluate, set an intention, take action. So if you feel yourself getting really anxious or you feel yourself pulling away, right? Both sides of the coin to breathe, to evaluate what's really going on here, right? What is the mm-hmm. actual emotional threat to me? or the actual threat to me? Is it a 10? Because I'm emotionally feeling like a 10. Or is it a right. is it a one? So let me bring my emotions down to a one to meet this. And then take action on what that means, which it could mean leaving the conversation. It could mean making sure your voice is in check. It could mean leaning into the conversation if you're an avoidant, right? And taking action on that, whatever that is. But I think you're so right. We we always want the like, okay, well, give me the fix. It's like sometimes the fix is step one, breathe, right? Pause, mm-hmm. take a breath, pause, literally let your limbic system calm and your parasympathetic nervous system, like you said, because it's it's on high alert right now on mm-hmm. both ends of those coins. Yes. And just breathing that down. And one of the questions I love asking myself, as hard as it can be in the moments, and I want your listeners to know that doing these things in the moment, this is like expert status <laughs> and <laughs> something that you it takes some time to really work into. So it's okay. Kind of, as I mentioned before, is you can reflect back and go, what could I have done differently there? And you can really do some emotional training even after the fact, and you can go back and repair those things as well. But in the moment, practicing that breathing down and I, for myself, I repeat in my mind just to bring my mind on board and remind myself what the vision is, is what is the, for us, what is the, the we in this situation, because it's not just about me. It's not just about my partner. This is about us. What is the the us win in this? And that might mean that, okay, the us win in this is I need to take a step back for a moment and let my partner have some space or the us in this moment is, you know what? Yeah, you're right, honey. I, although this is something that is hard for me, you are right. This is something I need to work on, take ownership of where I might've messed up wherever the for us is, it could have so many different scenarios. But that is a really powerful question that I have found works really well for my clients and myself. What is the for us? I love that. I love that instead of you, me. Um, And I feel like when you have secure attachment, that's so much easier to do because I have felt myself in those moments of anxiousness that I used to have that has drastically gotten as I work my way to secure again. It's interesting. If someone else is secure, I always say they can disarm me. I'm thinking of one person Mm. in particular that could just disarm me because he was so secure. And I could say something and he would be so non-reactionary to it. He would just be like, okay. Like, like, (laughs) just so not, it like did not even face him because he was so secure. And I remember once just being so, feeling so anxious and reacting to it. And he just, he just held me. And it was Mm -hmm. like exactly what I needed at the time, right? But if you're dealing with someone who is more classically avoidant or even is just, 
he could be secure, but just not have that personality, right? Is just slightly more standoffish and reserved as a personality, not even an attachment style. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you have any feedback on that. If you are a secure person, how to more traditionally give someone who is anxious or give someone who's avoided. I think we've covered it, but anything else in there that you've experienced or stories that you've had? It's, it's very similar. It, really the biggest thing is to hold space and the space to really hold the relationship and what is happening. And if you are feeling, say, totally fine and you're not triggered and you see your partner being triggered in something, this is where it's the for us. I'm going to hold space, you know, for you, for me, for us and for the relationship. And that might mean like your example just just the hug. And I say just, but hugs can be so powerful. It soothes the nervous system and brings things down. So holding that space, and this is where, I mean, whether you are avoidant, secure, and anxious for the relationship to expand, I'm even holding out in front of me my hands in kind of the small circle. You want to expand out the space so it can hold you your partner at the relationship, which means you need to take a step back and out of your emotions so you're not overwhelmed in them, but step enough of them in so you're touched into them and hold the relationship. And that goes for no matter what attachment style you're in. Mm, Absolutely. Dr. Chelsea, before we let you go, any advice or anything else you want to say to someone who is really looking to change their style, they've identified that maybe they are anxious or avoidant, or someone on the flip side of the coin? Because, you know, I've read a lot about these topics, and I think you'll hear, and there's a book called Attached, and I'm not going to knock it. I think it's a fabulous book, but they really suggest if you're an anxious attacher, just completely avoid an avoidant. And mm. I, I disagree. I think if an avoidance willing to work and an anxious attacher is willing to work, there's always opportunity for those two styles to stay together. I think any relationship works and can work if both people are willing to work on it. Oh, yes, yes. And there's... I like to think of it as kind of this continuum. And if you are on like way side of avoidant and someone else is on the way side of anxious attachment, you're you're going to have some struggles. That's yeah. not to say that it can't shift and change. It's just the tension in between is going to be a lot greater. And yeah, I'm never a person to say either that you're, oh my gosh, you're doomed from the start. If, like you said, if you are open to change and make those shifts and you are a yes to holding that space in the relationship to have that growth happen, which all relationships should be doing that, to be honest, is you can grow. And yeah, that book attached, it's it's good for the basics of attachment, but it does kind of throw avoidance under the bus. And personally, one of the ones that I like, um, if your listeners are looking for something um to be reading is Hold Me Tight by Sue Johnson. Oh, so yes, yes. her, it's an amazing book. It's a little dense ish and it's good to do with a partner, but it's, um, and there's another one that she has called Love Sense, which has more of the kind of scientific background to it. Um, that's especially good for mindsets who want to know like the more scientific tangibles for emotions and love. But she, um, Sue Johnson is the, uh, one of the big founders of Emotionally Focused Therapy, which focuses on attachment. So her work is amazing. So that's a good book. Um, 
I actually would suggest one of the books I just read um, with my my Facebook group. I have a free book club in there and we just finished The Untethered Soul, which is not about relationship, but it's about really having that step back in the emotional space and into yourself, which I think is a really powerful book, too. And of course, my programs. <laughs> yes. No, I was going to say any resources. So those are absolutely great resources. And we'll put links to those. Um, Dr. Chelsea Page, before we let you go, um, where can we access your course and where can our listeners find you? Yes. So um, you can go to drchelseapage.com. That's where that's kind of a, a good main hub where you can access my Facebook group. So it's a free Facebook group for women. And um, I have a bunch of blog posts on there. So you could be reading through those. It's not as updated as I would like it to be. I'm mostly on social media on Facebook. So uh, Chelsea Page and also my Intentional Intimacy Women's Group. And really, if you want to know about the courses, I don't have a bunch of schnazzy sales pages or anything like that. I like to keep things simple. So you just uh, either email me or message me on Facebook as easy as that. Perfect. Dr. Chelsea Page, thanks so much for joining us and for your knowledge and your wisdom and your expertise. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for having me on again. It was so much fun. Hey, it's Lucia, and I'm so thrilled to welcome you to my podcast, Well Seekers, bringing you simple, accessible, and real stories and solutions to find your happy and well from the mind down and to learn to form a better relationship with yourself and others. This is real. We're giving you simple, accessible advice and tools to make your mind, life, and world a whole lot more well with knowledge, inspiration, honesty, self-care, and of course, a lot of fun. So join me and the rest of the Seekerhood as we journey to a mind and life you are going to love. Welcome to Well Seekers. It's a treat and a retreat for your day. You're listening to Lucia at Night. We are back on Lucia at Night, wrapping up our three-part series on attachment and how if you're having troubles and noticing these patterns in relationships, how you can help break those patterns for yourself um, or work with the one that you love to make your relationship stronger because what's better than love? I truly, honestly, love is my favorite thing. We all need it. No, we all. Not just we say like we don't need love, we need it in some sort of capacity. Oh, who says they don't uh, love? Yeah. I don't know. I think people think love as in like relationships and they're like, I don't need a significant other, but like, oh, excuse my room. I had to fix my sock. Um, <laughs> but like love is like family and friends and it's like, you need that. And I, I think people just misunderstand what love is. We are wired for connection. Yeah. We are. And what I think is changed is, again, back to what we started this show on is we are such an individualistic society and it's not realistic, right? To be individualistic. There's this whole thing of like self-made and I did this on my own. No one does anything on their own, right? Even those people that are self-made aren't self-made. They have an army of people around them that have helped create them. Um, anyone that knows anything about business or even celebrities, that's a machine. It's a team. When people say I have a team, they have a team. Like who's in your tribe? Who's in your team? So maybe you don't need an intimate partner relationship to feel whole that I can get on board with. You should find that from within yourself. But to say that you like don't crave intimacy, that sounds like an avoidant. (laughs) (laughs) Because we are born to crave 
intimacy. If you're not with someone and you, when I'm not with someone, I feel lonely. It doesn't. Yeah. yeah, It doesn't (laughs) mean I can be lonely. Yeah. It's okay to feel a little bit alone. Right. Like, and to feel lonely some nights, if you're sitting home alone night after night, you're going to feel lonely and that's an okay feeling. Right. So I think we're so focused on, you have to be, yeah, you should be okay with who you are, but it doesn't mean you're not going to feel lonely if you're sitting there alone all the time. So we have these, I've always say this, but these unrealistic emotional expectations and they just bleed into these relationships. Yeah. So before we wrap up, um, two questions for you. One, one takeaway since we're on it that you've taken from this series on attachment that you want to share. Mm. I think, honest for me, um, I actually think it will help for the dating world for me. I can kind of recognize um, what kind of attachment style a person has and maybe if it vibes with me because, you know, I might not want someone who's an avoidant attacher and then I can just move on. Or um, maybe I need to find someone who is more secure like me and then then I know that's a person to stick around with. So I think it's just, uh, for me, it's going to help at least <laughs> my dating life to recognize that. Thanks, Unicorn. I'm sorry. I'm just laughing a little because my little things bobbing. <laughs> no, I saw I'm that. trying to I listen it to at one point, and I like trying to stay focused on what you're saying. But the unicorn, <laughs> um, not a stable horn. <laughs> so cute. Uh, I think my biggest takeaway is. Um, to keep in mind that attachment styles are, can be fluid, you know, that they can change depending on our individual experiences or the experiences of, of somebody else. And, um, you know, I kind of thought like when I really start looking at, you know, what an avoidant attachment style looks like, um, and, and have to get rid of the thought that, oh, I was a secure, you know, I'm a secure attacher. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not the case. So, so I have some, I have some work to do, um, (laughs) to look at, you know, and, and get rid of that, that avoiding, like, what am I avoiding at this time in my life? Like, what the heck? Like now or never baby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know I said this with Dr. Chelsea, but I I think it's such a growth opportunity. That's what I took away from this is like, this is, if you are one of the people I work with, I say this all the time, but we always say mind body, right? Your mind is part of your body. It's just body and your brain is a body part, right? And your emotions that have to do with relationships are part of that, that body part. So just like you can, you know, be overweight and need to lose some weight, or maybe you have an arm muscle that you want to get in shape, you can do the same thing to your mind that's controlling how you emotionally regulate or output in a relationship, right? So this is your starting point. This is where you are. And just acknowledging this is where I am. 
And I want to work on this just like you would work on any muscle group that you want to get in shape. Like you are just getting this part of your mind in shape. And it's totally something that can be worked with. It's plastic, just like your muscle that you need to go to the gym and train. You just need to work on retraining your brain, another part of your body. But that sort of disconnect that there's something fundamentally broken about you that will never be fixed. I think we just need to eradicate that. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's always hope. There's always hope, no matter where you are. And it's such a growth. One of my biggest growth opportunity, and Krista, you know this, absolutely was being anxious with an avoidant to help me get back to feeling like I'm 100% okay with who I am. And then also learning like what true acceptance is of someone and meeting them where they are at and be able to hold that space for someone else. So if you're anxious or avoidant, this to me seems like one of the most beautiful growth opportunities. Um, So hang on to that and chase that secure attachment because it's possible for sure. So before we go, we just want to talk about, because off camera, we're talking about the best Halloween costumes ever. Um, If someone's listening before Halloween, maybe we can supply you with some ideas. So I want to hear your favorite Halloween costume ever, whether it was yours or someone else's. But also 2020 feels like this could be a year. I mean, I wonder how many people, not to make light of it, because a lot lot of people, this is a very serious situation, but you know that COVID-19 is going to be. Yeah. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like, that's how. Which is a little... (laughs) Little COVID cells are going to be walking around. Right. Yeah. We know COVID-19 is going to be here. And obviously Trump Biden. Mm -hmm. And Ruth Bader, RBG. We'll see a lot of dissent. Mm -hmm. Um, Favorite Halloween costume. Krista, you had kids. You must have kind of through the years. Honestly, nothing comes to mind, but I think homemade costumes are are the best on little kids and they make like, you know, little garbage trucks, you know, and the little kid is walking in it or, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I always made mine up and my mom had to like go create them. And she, uh, you know, she was, oh, made them. Yeah. I was like pizza girl one year. I was like, I want to be pizza. <laughs> like, who's that? I don't know. I be like a dinosaur. <laughs> she just like, always met the challenge of there was this thing called poochie when I was growing up. And I remember I was like, she was, I was like, I want to be poochie. And she was like, okay. I was like, but I don't want to be pink. I want to be blue poochie. So I was like always changing things. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like moms are just, I mean, and dads do now. Right. But growing up, my mom just really like took over Halloween and dressed five kids and the Mm -hmm. amount pressure that is that's a lot of pressure yeah Yeah. those I was not a mom that that made a lot of homemade stuff um the kids kind of you know we had big boxes of stuff that I still have in my storage unit um that they could just create and and my daughter probably more and her girlfriends would just come up with these really fun just silly things like a unicorn onesie, a pregnant one, you know, so they'd stuff a pillow inside of it, <laughs> bounce around each other. Pregnant, huh? pregnant unicorn. 
I'm good. Spread the <laughs> spread the spread the love with that little unicorn. <laughs> um, Come on, uh, I'll stick with this one though. <laughs> to everyone out there, all the adults creating costumes and trying to get Halloween together, we see you, and it's really hard. So um, hang in there, especially this Halloween. Yeah, a lot of people aren't having it, I think, unfortunately. Yeah. Sarah, any Halloween costumes you want to share throughout the years? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I've kind of been all over the place, too. I, I was, you know, definitely a clown one year. Uh, my mom made me a, a black cat costume one year. Um, I think I, I was an M&M. <laughs> we bought that one, though. Um, I, I would say is when I was younger, my favorite was probably, um, I used to love 101 Dalmatians. So I was a Dalmatian one year. So I think that was one of my favorite costumes that looking back on, uh, but I know if you asked younger me, it would have been when I was a pink power ranger. Cause I was very proud. <laughs> you could see it in my pictures. I was very excited and proud to be a pink power ranger. Um, but I think it, I do like, like in college when we would dress up for Halloween, that was more of like the, let's, uh, make a costume or grab some things and figure out what we're going to do. And I I found a lot of really like interesting costumes in, I, I had a football Jersey and I made myself a spice girl. Like it was like simple, but it was creative and it was fun and it worked. Everybody knew what I was. Yeah, I feel like creativity, and this is just one of the things I've always loved about Halloween. It's a chance to just like have fun, be creative, which we so often don't get to do, um, especially in 2020. I hope that you take the chance to just do something fun and creative, even if you're dressing up and watching the show, um, or dressing up and having dinner with friends at a nice social distance <laughs> event. Um, there's so little time for play in yeah. 2020 and Halloween is all about play and it's just so good for your heart and your soul and your total well-being of your body. So um, that would be my encouragement and takeaway. Thank you ladies for your time and for your help with this series. And I hope everyone listening um, had something that they can take and um, hang on to or hopefully help guide them to um, their own change and their own growth. And from all of us here at Lucia at Night, we hope that this helped you close the door in your day, light up your night. We wish you a happy Halloween. We also wish you peace. We wish you hope. We wish you light. And most importantly, we wish you love. We'll see you soon on Lucia at Night. Thanks for spending your night with us on Lucia at Night. 